and whether it's going into, in the middle of it, or coming out of it, we are at war. Paul, throughout the entirety of the book of Ephesians, he has set out the position of the believer in the first three chapters. He has noted that the believers are chosen in Christ, that there are spiritual blessings that comes from being within Christ. In chapter 2, we see that believers are saved by the grace of God, that there's nothing that believers bring to the table that makes us any more saved or any less saved because it's all bound upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, we, will, we witness how in Christ there are many, there are mysteries that are now revealed because we are in Christ, that there is no longer a division between Jew and Gentile, but they are made equal in the eyes of God because of the death of Christ. Starting in Ephesians 4, we see a shift. Paul now says from where we are, what we are to know, now how we are to live. And as we go through, especially in Ephesians 4 and 5, we see that there are actions that believers must take. There is a walk that believers have that signify that they are believers. Especially in Ephesians 5, we see that believers are the walk in love. They're the walk in light. They're the walk in wisdom. And they're the walk by the Spirit. Continuing on, we see that Paul then gives practical examples of what the family is to look like, how it's to function, how children are to live underneath the household of their parents, and how believers are to respond and act towards employment. And then we get to our passage this morning. If you can, will you stand for the reading of God's word? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the seal of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let us pray before we open up this word and dive into it. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you. You are great and mighty, and we have 
leaped bounds of songs and praises to your name this morning. We have invested time to look at your word. And now, Father, we are spending even more time to open up your word, to study it, to allow it to shape and change our lives. Father, I ask that you'll be with us during our week in VBS, that there will be children whose lives will be changed by our example and by your word. I'll ask that also those who help serve in VBS are also changed and saved by your word and by your testimony. God, even when we are faithless, you are faithful. Allow us to see the truths that are bound within these words of yours. It is in the name of Jesus, our King, that I pray. Amen. In the May of 1980, many of you who are old enough to remember, you remember that Mount St. Helens exploded. It erupted, and it was a great tragedy. In fact, many say that it is one of the greatest tragedies that has ever happened in America that was a natural disaster. However, it did not come out of nowhere. It was not necessarily a surprise to the people. For too much prior, the scientists and experts informed the people that it is going to explode. They said they didn't know when it was going to explode, but that it was going to explode. There was a man by the name of Harry Randall Truman. He fought in World War I. In fact, his ship sunk by a German U-boat in World War I, and he survived that. However, when he was told to evacuate and given every example and cause of the eruption of Mount St. Helens, he refused to leave. Truman told the reporters, I don't have any idea whether it will blow but I don't believe it to be the point that I'm going to pack up. In May 18 of 1980, Truman and the lodge that he owned were buried beneath 150 feet of mud debris from the volcanic eruption, and his body was never found. The, true re the, the sad truth of this reality is that there are many believers who live like Mr. Truman. We have all these warnings around us that we are in a fight, in a fight for our lives. But many of us may say, I don't know if I'm in a fight of my life, while all around us alarms are going off. This morning, I want to speak on you on the three focuses of the Christian soldier. And we'll find these in these texts that Paul gives out. The first focus, I think, is that we see that the Christians are briefed for war. Look with me in verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice, Paul twice here says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul is not saying, be strong in yourself. Paul is not saying, Put, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, he's saying, be strong in the Lord. 
The Psalms, possibly one of my favorite books in all the Bible. Many of the Psalms written by David, he's crying out, Lord, you are my refuge. You are the seal of my life. You are the strong tower. David saw his strength in the Lord alone. David did not seek strength out of himself, but he sought strength in the Lord. And Paul is reminding believers here, find your strength in the Lord. God calls us to be strong. And not strong in any other might, but in his own might. Paul, how are we to be strong? How are we to be strong in the Lord, Paul? Thankfully, Paul does not just end, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, amen, and closes the book. No, he tells us how we are to be strong. Why? Because in this first example that Paul gives, this first place that he gives us in our briefing for spiritual warfare, he tells us to be strong, and then he tells us how to be strong. Notice he says, put on the whole armor of God. He is not saying, just put on some of the armor of God. You know, just, just pick up the sword and you'll be fine. No, he's saying, put on the whole armor of God. In fact, in the original languages, this put on gives a sense of permanence. It, it means put on and keep it on. Because you are in a war. If you are in a war, you don't, just leave your equipment laying around. No, you have that on your person. Put on the whole armor of God. This wording gives the idea that it's the believer's responsibility. And to give you an idea, it's not somebody else's responsibility to put on the helmet of faith the helmet of salvation on your head. It's not somebody else's responsibility to give you the sword of the Spirit. It is your responsibility to take up the armor of God yourself personally. The charge here is, is not a charge to be lazy. No, it's a charge to action. Believers... In Christ, while we are living on this earth, we are called to action, not apathy, but to action. We are called to look around us and be on alert, as Paul says later on. We are called to action today. Not tomorrow, today. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This word schemes is the methods of the devil. The wiles of the devil, as the King James put it. It's, it's how the devil operates and acts. Uh, we can think of many ways the Bible depicts the devil. The father of all lies. The evil one, the prince of this age. The ruler of darkness. The father of murder. Do you recall what the Bible says when Satan fell from heaven? The Bible tells us that when Satan rebelled against God, he took a third of the angels with him. 
The Bible doesn't give us an exact number how many angels God created. But we know there is an innumerable amount of them, that there is a large sum of them in Satan in heaven was able to deceive a third of the angels. These angels could easily behold God, their creator, yet they were deceived by Satan. And church, do you think that we stand any better than those angels? Do you think that we have any greater strength than the angels? Do you know what Jude says about Michael the archangel when Moses died? Michael the archangel didn't even dare bring a railing accusation against Satan. Are you witnessing this today that we see that there are many schemes and methods of the devil that try to encapsulate us, that draw us away from God? I'm sure there are many of you who are thinking that even this very week you see how the methods of, God, of Satan are moving you away. There are many distractions that are moving you away from reading God's word. I witness this daily in my own life that there are many things that take my focus away from God. That there are many instances where I desire to be focused on Christ and his kingdom but everything else in life draws me away from it. Church, that is the devil scheming against me. That's the devil using every force available to him to draw me, a believer in Christ, somebody who has faith in Christ, who's a follower of God, is drawing me away from the one whom I love. As we sung, on Christ the solid rock I stand. There's nothing else we could stand on because everything else is sinking sand. Christ alone is who we are to stand. We look to everything else. In fact, I was watching a video this morning that the Ward, Ward Economic Forum. The leaders of this organization were saying, we don't believe in natural selection, but we believe in intelligent design and evolution. And then it went on to say, because we as believers, we believe in intelligent design because we believe God himself created everything. He created everything that's in heaven and on earth. God is the creator. But this verse said, we don't believe in intelligent design as in there's a God in, in heaven or God's in the heaven, but we believe in intelligent design because we make it happen ourselves. Church, do you think that that's possibly the devil leading the world further astray from God and his truth? I think it is. In fact, I think of the World War II with Hitler there were many churches who kept quiet. There were some that spoke out and despised the Nazi regime, but there were many churches who were led astray by the schemes of the devil. And church, 
it's no lie, it's no secret, we are at war today. We can sit with the way the world acts, with the, what the world produces, how the world treats believers, and how they celebrate sin. Church, the schemes of the devil, the methods of the devil, attacks us. It brings to us a charge to not focus on Christ, but to focus on ourselves, to focus on the world, to focus on any other means or methods except for Jesus Christ. What are the schemes of the devil? Paul gives it out. And I want us to notice that Paul does not, he says, we don't wrestle against blood and flesh. But notice what he says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do you remember in Daniel? Daniel was waiting on the message of the Lord, and the angel said, I would have came sooner, but... The prince kept me. The prince of this world kept me. Church, we are not fighting a war that it involves bloodshed, but we are fighting a spiritual war. Right, amen. We look at this word, for we do not wrestle. It's, it's hand-to-hand combat. It's not wrestling as we see with like Ric Flair or any of these other people, but no, this wrestling is physical combat that is brutal. In fact, one person who was commenting on this passage said that what this wrestling was is each wrestler would take the other person by the throat and shove them to the ground. And if your head hit the ground, you were a dead man. This is the type of warfare we're in. This is not some frivolous ideology. No, this is a serious matter. Something that we should take to heart that we are fighting a war and we're fighting a spiritual warfare for our spiritual lives. Again, put on that whole armor of God. It, It gives the idea of permanence. We only take it off when we are in the presence of God himself. We only take off the armor of God when this life is over. Are you putting on that whole armor today? To be effective in the fight against the spiritual forces of the day, Paul is saying, be strengthened by God. Again, going back to Jude, Michael the archangel did not even dare to bring up a railing accusation against Satan himself. The only strength we have that is effective against the fight of devil and his scheming and and of all the demons is to be strengthened by God himself. Again, Christianity is not pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, Christianity is looking to Christ and finding solace in him alone. It's being hid in that cleft of the rock as we sung about this morning. We are strengthened by God by putting on the armor of God.
in the heavenly places. Paul uses this one other time in this book. And if you will, turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with some spiritual blessings, partial spiritual blessings, no, with every spiritual blessing. And get this, in the heavenly places. You see, our blessings come from the heavenly places. Just as much as our battles are in the heavenly places. In fact, I think as we look through this and we think of the wrestling against the spiritual powers that invade our lives, I think we can be encouraged if we turn back to Romans chapter 8 real fast. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. And Romans chapter 8 is a, a, a tremendous portion of Scripture. It gives us believers a great promise of hope. Listen to what the Word of God says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justified. Who, who can charge those whom God saves if God's the one who saved them? Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who took our punishment. Christ Jesus is the one who stood condemned on our behalf. So who can stand to condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In this first portion here, Paul is given all the examples that we could think of humanly possible that we in our flesh could think that could separate us from the love of God. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. Verse 37, all these human ways that people can say this is what separates us, that can separate us from the love of God. Paul says, no. But in all things you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will what? be able to separate us from the love of God. But that does not mean that the spiritual warfare is going to be easy. We could think in Romans where Paul says, the very thing I want to do, I don't do it. And the thing I don't want to do, that's the very thing I run to. The Christian life is not an easy life. Oftentimes it's difficult. Oftentimes it's hard. In fact, I was listening to one person speaking on this passage earlier this week. 
And he said that, quite frankly, it doesn't get easier as life goes on. It only gets harder. The more I do for the Lord, it seems like it's the harder to find time. And as I was listening, I'm like, you're right. The more time I spend in the Word of God, it seems like the longer I do it, the harder it becomes to want to come back to it. It seems like everything is pulling me away from God because the Christian life is not easy. Church, do you recall what Jesus said about us believers and then being in the world? He said, do not be alarmed when the world hates you. Why? Because it hated me first. And why would it love the servant over the master? Church, we are in a spiritual warfare, and it's not going to cease anytime soon. We are in the fight of our lives, and we must be prepared, be prepared to fight. By doing that, we are to put on the armor of God. This fight is brutal, and it only gets worse as time goes on. I think as we continue on, I think we can see this next focus of the Christian soldier. And that is, we see the Christian's equipment. So the first focus of the Christian soldier is our briefing. It's our, it's our instruction to stand firm and stand strong in the Lord. The second focus is that we have been given the equipment to fight against in this war. Notice with me in verses 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Again, we see that phrase again, put on the whole armor of God. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And again, notice, Paul is writing as if it's the personal believer's responsibility to put on the armor themselves. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Are you catching this? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand firm. Paul is telling us, take up the whole armor of God. Not part of it. Take up the whole set of the armor. Obviously, and we are well versed in this because this is a well-known passage in churches. Especially in Sunday school when we're teaching kids. This is a very well-used and well-known passage. And we all likely know and agree that Paul is likely chained to a Roman guard as he is penning this letter. And it's likely that as he's penning this letter, he's looking at the armor that this Roman guard is wearing and translating it into a spiritual image, a spiritual illustration that we can use for our lives. Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth. This fastening of the belt of truth, girding it up, it's tying all the loose ends. We are to stand firm for the truth in an age that attacks the truth of God. We see this day in and day out where the truth of God are being attacked. 
we don't need to go elaborate with the examples that we see. It's, it's abundantly clear that there are examples after examples. In fact, I was reading earlier because the Southern Baptist Convention is having their national convention this week. And it's down in New Orleans. And somebody was saying that their messengers, the people who they send the vote on things that's going to go on in the Southern Baptist, arrived early. And they got a, a ride, a taxi, to go to the French Quarter to eat dinner that night. Well, when the taxi driver showed up, the driver said, oh, you don't want to go down there because they're having their gay pride parade. And by the time we get there, they're going to have a naked bike ride. Do we not see that the world is doing nothing but attacking the truth of God? Church, we need to be girding up. We are to be fastening that belt of truth that we know what the truth is, that when there is lies happening, we know that it's a lie. We know that we know what the truth is, and we need to be girding it up. And it's not only just in the errors of what we can see physically, but I think it also stands in theological aspects of how we, we are to know the Word of God so that way when false teaching arises, we can pinpoint it because we know the truth so well. We know when something is wrong. Next he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now this breastplate, you guys are well aware, it covers your breast. It, it, it's what covers you. covers all your vital organs. The breastplate protected the soldier and it protects us spiritually. Notice that Paul uses the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, righteousness can also be translated as holiness or sanctified here. Paul is saying, put on the breastplate of righteousness. What do the angels sing constantly around the throne of God? Holy, holy, holy. When we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we are reflecting the holy nature of God. And this breastplate of righteousness is used as a defense against the schemes of Satan because believers live in holiness. So that when Satan attacks, we can stand firm because we are reflecting the God who saved us. A holy God. In, in Leviticus and 1 Peter, and first Peter, Peter quotes in 1 Peter, the Lord says, I am holy, therefore you be holy. Put on that breastplate of righteousness. Live a lifestyle that honors and respects and shows great joy and praise to the name of God. Live a lifestyle that when people see you, your life says, glory to God alone. Next we see, put on the shoes of the gospel, the peace of the gospel. Verse 15, as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, if we're thinking that Paul is sitting here writing to Roman guards, or writing with Roman guards in his midst, and he's taking what their attire is, 
the Roman shoes, their, their guard and their soldier shoes, had these spikes. So there's kind of like cleats, what we would use in sporting events today, that help you gain traction and, and have a good, firm footing. Putting on the shoes of the gospel peace gives us a, the gospel is our foundation, church. Jesus Christ is that firm foundation. What, is, what did Jesus Christ do? How is Jesus Christ our firm foundation? Because he is what the gospel is all about. The gospel of peace. The gospel is that foundation that believers stand on. Again, returning to Romans, if you real, real fast, in, in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. <clears throat> For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God sows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That gospel. At one time we stood weak before God, but now we could stand firm before God and even before, before the schemes and of the devil. Why? Because the gospel redeemed us. Remember what we just read in Romans 8? What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing. Paul was convinced that neither life nor death nor any other created thing could separate us from the love of God. And Paul wasn't the only one because the Holy Spirit included that in our scriptures. So I don't think we could just say Paul was convinced. I think God himself was convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. The gospel is the firm foundation that we stand upon. Next, we see that we have the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We, as believers of all people, should have faith that God will protect those whom he loves. Do you recall what the Israelites did when they came through the Exodus? How God led them, how God protected them? Church, this shield of faith is us having faith that God will protect us. Even when everything seems to be going wrong and, and everything is falling apart, we can still have faith that God will stand by our side. Again, Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Continuing on, we see that in verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation. Now, many commentators agree on this, that this helmet of salvation is that Paul is not speaking to unbelievers, but he's speaking to believers. And this helmet protects our, your head. And what he's saying here is, Protect your head. Satan will accuse you and make you doubt your salvation. 
but you take up the helmet of your salvation. Do you remember what Peter says? That the spiritual warfare, you know, be on guard for your mind's sake. Paul is saying here the same thing. Take up that helmet of salvation so that you, when Satan attacks you, you do not have to worry about losing your salvation because it is Christ who keeps your salvation. Take up that helmet of salvation today. Don't let Satan rob you of your joy of knowing that you are saved in Christ Jesus. Again, Romans 8. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. This last piece of the armor of God that we see is the only weapon that we carry, and that is the sword of the Spirit. And notice what Paul says the sword of the Spirit is. In the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Church, we believe and stand and are convicted that the Word of God is the only rule and source of authority for believers. We don't stand on any other um, confession or anything else that goes contrary to what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God is that. It's the Word of God. It's holy. It's inspired. It has no error in it. It's true. Do you recall what, how Jesus, when he was faced with temptation from Satan, how he responded to those temptations in Matthew 4? Satan comes. Jesus, you, you've been out here for 40 days and 40 nights with n- nothing to eat. You must be hungry. Why don't you tell the, you know, you're the son of God. Just tell these stones to turn into bread and they will do it. And Jesus responds, have you not read that man shall not live on bread alone? Satan comes back, you know, brings him up to the temple pinnacle. Jump, and, you know, the angel will catch you, and you, and you won't have to face any harm. Have you not heard? Have you not read? And then he quotes more scripture. The third temptation. He brings him and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus, if, if you just bow down, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Have you not read that you shall not tempt the Lord your God? How did Jesus respond to the temptations? He responded with the word. When Satan comes and attacks us, we respond with the word. Our method of attacking is with the word of God. Satan tempts Christ responds, is it not written? I can also think of the multiple times that the religious leaders in Israel questioned Christ, and he he always responded. He responded by asking them a question or going back to Scripture. Or even at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, nobody spoke as this man does. He speaks with authority. Church, we are equipped 
with the armor of God, and we are equipped with it for a reason, because we are fighting a warfare that is deadly, that it could be devastating on our spiritual lives if we do not put on the armor of God. But this last focus that Paul gives us is a focus that the believers are to utilize what God has given them. Notice with me in verses 18 through 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to First, we see that Paul says, stand strong in the Lord, and then he tells us how to stand strong in the Lord. And he tells us that by standing strong, we put on that armor of God. But now, Paul doesn't just end with our briefing of what we are to do, what we are equipped with, but how to use that equipment and use it effectively. We are to pray at all times. In First Thessalonians, Pray without ceasing. Do you know how many of uh, Paul's letters Paul opens up with a lengthy prayer for the church or the individual he's writing to? I think at one time I counted up, it's all but one book. Paul opens up with a lengthy prayer. Pray at all times. in the first century church in the first church that was in Jerusalem they prayed to God the same prayer that Paul's praying here for boldness to speak boldly about the things of God pray and pray at all times but not only that but Paul tells us to keep alert again this call here that we're seeing the Christian warfare to being a Christian soldier is not a call to laziness, but it's a call to action. Keep alert. Again, church, this equipment does you no good if you're sitting idly by. You've got to utilize this in your lives. Make supplication. Paul says that. Making supplications for all saints. Again, praying, asking that the Lord will provide for all saints. Church, how often do we ask that the Lord will provide all the things that we need in our lives? Not just physically, but spiritually as well. How often does a brother or sister in Christ come to your mind and you pray for them that God will strengthen them, that God will be with them, that God will comfort them? That's what making supplication is all about. Preach the gospel. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in the chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Before Christ's death and his ascension, he told the disciples, the Holy Spirit will come and he will give you remembrance in everything that I've said. So that you may speak boldly. 
Church, do you think after two millennia that the Holy Spirit has forgotten what the truth of God is? I don't think so. I, I think he has perfect memory. and He knows what the gospel of Christ is. How often do you pray that you'll speak boldly? How often do you pray for pastor that he will preach boldly the gospel of Christ? How often do you pray for the surrounding churches in our area that the men who are faithful to God and his word, that they will preach boldly the gospel of Christ? Church, we are to utilize that the armor that God has given us. How are you utilizing that today? How do I utilize the armor of God in my life? Do I pray always without ceasing? Sometimes, sometimes not. Do I constantly keep alert? Do I make supplications for my brothers and sisters in Christ? Do I preach the gospel and do I preach it boldly? Do I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that they will present the gospel of Christ and that they will stand boldly on what the gospel is and on God's truth? Or do I stand idly by? Do I sit lazily in the corner while the devil is destroying me and all the while I have everything, I have the strength to stand firm, I have the armor of God to resist the devil, to fight against the devil. I'm even given the command to utilize it, but I'm too lazy to get up and actually use it. Church, we live in constant warfare, and we are given the order, equipment, and the duties to stand strong in the, face of, in the faces of adversary, in the faces of adversity. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, as we look this morning, we've noticed that there are four, three focuses that believers who are in Christ, that they are Christian soldiers, that they are to be reminded of. The first that we saw was that the believers are charged, they are given a command to stand strong in the Lord. The second is that the believers are equipped by God himself. And lastly, as we have just noticed, that the Christians are given the charge to stand and to use what God has given them. A park ranger one time at the Yellowstone National Park was leading a group of hikers up a trail to uh, one of the fire towers. And the walkie-talkie had was kept going off and because he was too busy focusing on all these flowers and animals that they were seeing on the hike that he felt like it was a d disturbance having that radio on, so he turned the radio off. And they kept walking, and they finally got to the fire tower, and to his horror, he realized why that walkie-talkie was important because there was a grizzly bear following them. Church, today, are you tuning out the call of the Spirit on your lives? Are you ignoring the warnings that God gives us of the spiritual warfare? Are you ignoring the utilization that God has given us in all spiritual things? Remember what Paul says in Ephesians 1.3, we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. 
and our battles are in the heavenly places as well. Don't think that God has not given us the blessings and the strength to stand against the fight in the spiritual places as well, because he has. And church, I charge you this morning before we close that we have been given a task. And this task is hard. It's not easy. Put on the whole armor of God. Utilize that armor so that we as believers can stand firm in the opposition of Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads as we close out this morning? Church, this morning we have been witnessed to the greatness of Christ. We have seen how everything that has been given to us has been given to us by God himself.